if you agree. On my annual retreat this summer, there was one prayer period that stood out more than the others. And each prayer period, I would do several a day by my, led by my spiritual director. I would have a scripture to pray with. And I, I don't remember what scripture passage it was, but maybe like a lot of us, I'm praying with the scripture passage and then, then I'm thinking about this, then I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking about this. And then I started thinking about uh, these people in my life and one person in particular. And I'm just, I just started thinking about, oh, he would, he would do this thing and it was really annoying. It really bothered me. And it wasn't something immoral. And other people didn't seem to have an issue with it, but it just pushed my buttons. And I found myself just like thinking about it. And eventually, I, I kind of asked the Lord, huh, Lord, is there something you want to show me here? Is this just a distraction? But usually, usually in prayer, God actually takes his attention to things that he invites us to bring to him. And so I, I thought the issue with this guy, I'm like, his behavior, it was worth addressing. And I, I was getting frustrated thinking about why didn't anybody tell him? Why, why didn't anybody say anything to this guy? And then the Lord hit me and it was, oh, why didn't I say anything? That in my life, in my relationships, I have agency. These are my relationships. And now, it's not my job to go around correcting everybody, but it is my job to have authentic self-representation. Authentic self-representation is that I am myself. And if something's bothering me, I, I actually get to say it. I want to do it prudently, charitably, kindly, all those things. But it's, it's my life, and it's my relationships, and so I need to take ownership of that. Jesus today teaches us and his disciples how to respond when our brother sins against us. So how do I know when I'm supposed to speak up? I think when something's bothering me, by analogy, it's when I notice that someone's stepping on my foot, then it's time to say something. It's when I, when I notice when, when something's stealing my peace, like when I'm dwelling on it, when I'm, I'm really good at ruminating, when I'm ruminating on it, like it's, I'm giving this more bandwidth in my life than this deserves. And I think that's God's way of saying, it's because there's, we need to do something about it. So what, let's just look at for a second, what if I do nothing? What if, what if someone comes into my yard and kicks my dog and I don't say anything? Well, they're gonna think it's okay. Or what if, what if I wait three months and I say, hey, I didn't like how you did that, you know, three months ago you kicked my dog, you know? What are they gonna say? Well, why didn't you say something? So if I don't say something, it feels like a condoning, or, or rather, a lot of times, I know when I do stuff and people bring it up to me, it's like, oh, I was stepping on your foot, like I didn't realize that. Thank you for telling me. 
Like I, we do things all the time. We live with people. We bump into people. We, you know, figuratively and all that stuff. And and it's like I need people to give me that feedback. And and so first is kind of noticing my, my frustration, my anger, you know, my resentment. It tells me something's wrong. And I think for so many years I fell into this trap of what people call Catholic nice. Like, no, 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 I'm supposed to be Catholic nice. So, yes, they're really bothering me, but like St. Therese, she just like took it, you know? So I, I need to just take it, you know? Um, but she still loved them and I resent them. So there's a difference, but you know? <laughs> so you, you know how we talk to ourselves and we talk about like, I just, I just have to endure my cross, you know? I just need to accept people as they are. And it's true. Uh, I read a book recently and the psychologist talked about the four A's we all need for, to be mentally healthy, but also to have healthy relationships. And he says, authenticity, we need to be authentic. Let our yes mean yes and our no mean no. We Agency, that these are my relationships, and if I don't like something, like I can do something about it. Third, anger. I was like, what? He says, anger is one of the most instructive emotions we have, and having a good relationship with our anger, we can learn from it and what it's trying to teach us. But the fourth is acceptance. And what I realized was I was really focused in Catholic nice and being accepting, but I was ignoring the first three. I wasn't being authentic, I was ignoring my agency, and I was dismissing my anger. But if I can accept my anger, learn from it, be authentic and take the right kind of healthy agency, and then things are out of my control still, I can accept that. But if I've done nothing, then acceptance is actually what I realized in myself is cowardice. That my lack of courage to talk to this person was actually cowardice. That, and, and I think about, as I reflect on it, I think I was actually kind of dismissing this person and saying, you know what, I'm just going to tolerate this and be annoyed because I actually don't really want a meaningful, honest relationship with this person because I just feel something in me t tells me that they're not worth it. Maybe your own reflection will take you elsewhere, but I think there's something within me that if I'm not willing to have this honest conversation, I'm, I'm actually saying this son or daughter of God is not worth it. But they are worth it, and you and I are worth it. And it's, it's good when people show us dignity by coming to talk to us about stuff. So what does Jesus want? He wants us to stand united, to be brothers in prayer. And he says that he will be in our midst. But if I keep this person at a distance, resenting them, feeling uncharitable towards them, is God in my midst? So one, one litmus test for me is uh, I take this to prayer and I can, tell, I can tell this is bothering me if I have to do something when I'm talking to this person about that person. For me, that, that gets my attention nowadays. Is like, 
I just shared with this person about this other person and what was bothering me, oops, you know, that, that becomes a sign to me now to step back, like I need to go to the chapel. I probably need my counselor, you know, I probably, probably need my mentor. I, mentors are helpful because I'm not, I'm not seeing clearly because I'm involved and I need somebody on the outside to help me see how, you know, I, I'm thinking about handling it this way. Do you have any suggestions? And they can help coach us if we're, if we're humble and open to that. So I need to pray about it and discern. And I ask myself in prayer, what's happening and how is it affecting me? So with this person, okay, what was happening? What's the behavior? What's objectively happening? And how is it affecting me? Why, why is it bothering me? What, what's happening within me? Because it's, it's actually not about the behavior usually. The problem is actually within me. But this is provoking it. This is drawing it out. And so somehow I want to be able to pray about it and be able to love the person and tackle the problem. So what does Jesus say to do? He says, well, go and talk to your brother one-on-one. And what's helpful about that, it takes courage, it takes humility, that already it's, it's inviting us to reconnect with people. Because when you and I resent people, when we have contempt for people, that we, we start to dehumanize them. They're just a, and we give, we give names. They're just a jerk. They're just selfish. They're just whatever. But when I actually sit down with somebody and re- reconnect, I remember, I re-recognize their humanity. And so the first thing I do when I try to, when I notice like something's going on here, I'll say, I, I look for a way to hang out with them. Maybe it's saying, hey, would you like to, have, let's have lunch. And, and I found that already it begins to rehumanize them and, and it builds a connection. It gives me a context. And very often, I can't tell you, this happens like nine times out of 10, within the relationship and the conversation, there comes an opportunity to talk about it. And, but it, now it's within the context of relationship that I care about them. And so maybe in the midst of the conversation, I might say something like this, hey, there's something that's been bothering me, and I'd like to be able to share it with you if you're open to it. So I'm sharing that I, it's bothering me, and I'm in asking, I'm inviting them, can I bring this up to you if you're open to it? And so when they say yes, then they're committing to listen, even just to listen. So then I don't wanna, I wanna respect that. And so what I do, I learned this from a counselor years ago, is very briefly I say, an observation, a feeling, an affirmation, and a hope. The only time I say the word you is when I affirm them. Otherwise, I'm saying I statement. So for example, students, you know, it's funny how God puts us in situations with roommates where we have lots of opportunities for conversations like this. So, isn't that funny how that works? I noticed that our apartment is getting more and more disorganized. I feel stressed by it and I feel embarrassed that I can't invite other people over. And, and you've been open and willing to work together on stuff and I'm hoping that we can talk about how we want our apartment to be going forward. What are your thoughts about that? 
observation, feeling, affirmation, and then hope. And then I, I ask, I say that quickly or shortly, and then I ask them their thoughts and I zip it. It's not a lecture, it's not 10 things, it's one thing, and I throw it out there. It starts a conversation and then I listen. And what's beautiful about that is in our culture today, it feels like everybody's talking, nobody's listening. And I've learned I, I can't make them listen, can I? But the best chance I have for them to listen to me is if I first listen to them. So I raise the topic, listen away, and then say, and then I like to actually do this too. If, if I'm with somebody, I try to turn and say, so what do we do about this issue? You and I, what do we do about this issue? The issue's not them. We want to stand together and tackle this issue. I'm a little frustrated about this. How do you feel about this? And then what are we doing? We're modeling charity. We're modeling listening and hoping. We hope that they respond in a beautiful way. And I actually think Jesus goes on to say, well, if they don't listen to that, then bring somebody else along. Okay, now we can get the other roommate involved. But as soon as we do that, don't people feel ganged up on? In my experience, 90% of the time, the one-on-one works great. If I have the courage to enter into that and do it gently and patiently, and I respect their freedom, where they may say, bugger off, you know, and I say, okay. They're free to say that. Then I might say, you know, it's, it's actually a bigger issue than you realize. Um, and then we get the church involved or whatnot. But those, that seems to be more the... <laughs> That's the exception. I think a lot of times in our world today, we want the church to get involved to solve things for us. Father Matt, I want you to say what I want you to say because it's easier to have you do it than for me to actually have the courage to do it myself. To enter into the difficulty of real relationship because real relationship takes these conversations. That's what I've realized. That, that when I felt distant and frustrated, it, it wasn't a real relationship because I wasn't giving them the chance to go to a deeper level. And, and sometimes when you do that, I've had, there's one example that stands out in my mind. I did this with one person. I go, hey, this is bothering me, boom. And they basically said, they got defensive, they walked away, and they walked away. But, but you know what? It, it actually made obvious what I felt was there the whole time. It didn't feel like we had a real relationship, and now, now I know that for sure. But, but for all the other relationships that I've had that I've done that, we've leveled up. It's like getting hit points, getting experience points, you know, and then you level up. But it, we need those moments. That's a, that's a marriage. Marriage is like a series of these moments. Like, all right, we're going to keep having these moments, and if we stay engaged, it's going to get better and better and better. At any moment, someone can pull eject. We're always free to do that. And it hurts. That's why it takes courage. It takes humility to get into it. But So I want to, I want to just look at the other side, too, a little bit. Because our psalm today says, harden not your hearts. 
that yes, I want to bring something up to somebody, but am I a person that's willing to have stuff brought up to me? And our first reaction most of the time is to get defensive. Defensiveness is a reaction to woundedness. I'm saying that for myself, first and foremost. When I get defensive, it's because we're hitting something sensitive. And so if we can start to realize that and be like, wow, I got so defensive earlier. Huh. Get curious and say, what's happening there? What did that provoke within me? What sensitive area was threatened by this person saying this? Huh. And so rather than getting angry and fighting back, I can actually take that humbly to prayer and, and something can happen there. But, but don't we, we, we actually want that, don't we? Like when, when that person says, hey man, you got, you got something in your teeth? Like, like, aren't we grateful for that? And then we go, why didn't anybody else tell me that? You know, like, <laughs> like, it's like, it's our way of like finding out who our real friends are, you know? Like if someone's like, oh, you've been, on my, you've been stepping on my toe for the last month. And it's like, why didn't you say something? But I need to be the type of person that can hear it because people pick up on that. Like, I think about like our parents, right? Like, we've spoken back to our parents, we've spoken up, or maybe other people in our lives, and we realize real quickly whether people are listening or not. And we can actually stop trying. I tried, I tried to talk to them, it didn't work. I tried to bring it up to my mom, I, brought, I told my dad, and he didn't listen. Are we gonna give up? Or is that maybe worth another try? Say, hey, I, I felt like I didn't really feel heard last time, but this is bothering me, and I'd like to bring it up again because it, it's, it's actually really bothering me, and I know you care about me, and so I, I want to be able to talk about it. Can we at least talk about it? I think that starts to get people's attention, like, oh, I'm sorry, I must have missed it the first time, but you came in with flags and flares, so now I, I see, okay, this is a big deal. We need to talk about it. Because what's, when people, yeah, what's the alternative? If you and I do not directly work on our relationships, then we're going to end up alone. That we will distance ourselves from people rather than entering courageously into the tension of real relationship. And there will be people in our lives who will choose rather than to enter into the tension, will walk away. I can't control what they do. I can't control if they want to enter into it or not. But I can choose what I do. Let me finish with a story. There's an author, Arthur Brooks. He's a speaker, academic. And in his book, Love Your Enemies, he tells this story that he had, he's written a bunch of books. And somebody sent him an email that was like nine pages long, scathing, just like tearing him up on every single point. And so he's like, well, his first temptation well, he, he thought, I could delete it, but his first temptation was to reply and be like, uh, who works at Harvard? I do. Okay, I'm right. <laughs> You're wrong, you know? Because we get defensive. It's, it's human. It, because of original sin, it's understandable. But the more I have courage to enter into it, the better it is. So he, he actually he took a breath, and maybe by God's grace, he wrote back to this person. And then here's the other thing. When someone sends you the nine-page email, you want to do the opposite and do as little as possible, right? So he wrote back, he said, Thank you for reading my book, and thank you for taking the time to send me your thoughts. 
And now he didn't agree with them. Did he agree with what the person said? What he agreed with was the, the humanity of the other person. This is a human being who has dignity and the right to an opinion. And so he basically just said, thank you for telling me. And he said within minutes, he got a reply from this gentleman who sent nine pages, you're wrong. The gentleman wrote back and said, hey, um, hey, the next time you're in the Dallas area, let me know, we should have lunch. I think, I think we're expecting sometimes World War III, but when we presume the goodness and dignity of the other, and we treat them with the dignity and respect that they deserve, that God has given them, it's amazing how things change. That, yeah, that if someone brings something to me, does it, does it mean that they're right? No. Could there be some truth in what they're saying? Yeah. And if I'm willing to humbly listen to that truth, it might change me. And it might change our relationship for the better. That if we agree to work on our relationship and be honest, that the two of us can stand together with God's charity and friendship in our midst.